Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Dingers and K's. You guys heard that little Jacob DeGrom part. Don't worry, we're going to be talking about him a lot today. Yes, he will be featured at least once or twice. His name will come up. I think so. We got a good addition today. We got Mets talk, so this is going to be... Who are you? Yeah, oh, that's who. (laughs) We can start off with that. I'm here with the great host, Jamal Russell. My name is Jeremy Altschul. We are here for another edition of Dingers and K's. I was kind of getting into is I will be talking for the first half of the episode. Wait, 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 wait. This is episode what? 30 or 31? We are at 31. Mike Piazza? That'll work. There you go. (laughs) There you go. You got Mike Piazza, Dodgers, Mets. That'll work. Yeah. Even though there's a whole, yeah, I'll leave that. You went to the hall of fame as a what? As a Met. Yeah. Exactly. Nonsense. (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. I think that was the way to go. The end of it. But like I was saying, big day because Jamal's going to be talking for half the episode about the Mets. It's going to be fantastic. We'll see. I mean, hopefully I don't become, again, the little ball of hate doesn't just reemerge. Well, that's a possibility. I'm not going to lie to you. It's a possibility. It definitely. I've had weekend conversations with you where we're talking Mets and I'm like, oh no, here it comes. Right. Here it comes. But we got Mets. We got some dingers and K's. CBA stuff. Some agreements have been made. Sort of. I mean, they handshake agree- agreements. Would you say they're handshakes? Yeah. They agreed in principle on some things. That'll work. You know, but you haven't signed anything, but you've agreed in principle. Like, okay. That's we'll better than what we were last week. Yes. We're closer today, but it could all blow up. This is like a, a, a tenuous at best sort of things they've agreed to. Mm-hmm. We'll see, but it's looking better than it did last week. I'll give you that much. I have it. Even though we got canceled another two weeks. Yeah, we're supposedly moving, we're, we're on to April 14th now. That's opening day as of today. Yeah. So we got that. We're going to be doing fair or foul. We're going to be talking about it's actually going to be on one of the rules that they're agreeing upon. Right. We got comparisons. We're going to actually be talking start bench cut center fielders. OK. Up and young coming center fielders ish. Like emerging center. There fielders. you go. How about that? Emerging. Right. right. Emerging center fielders. Then we got Mets talk. Right. I think it's going to be a good one. Hopefully, you know, I, I can keep it rated PG, you know. I believe in you, but if you don't, it is what it is. I'll live with it. We, we have an edit button. I don't even think we need it. I want everybody to hear what you have to think. <laughs> the raw, uncut. Yeah, it's, uncut. it's like Eddie Murphy raw. Right. But it's a good one. It's a good one. I'm happy about it. All right. So we got dingers. You're starting off with Albert Bell today. I am starting off with Albert Bell today. So Albert Bell, one of my old school favorite players back in the day, and this goes back to when he was Joey Bell at LSU, the guy hit bombs. And then he goes and gets the big leagues with Cleveland, play with the White Sox. But this is some old school Albert, and this is him hitting a grand slam off Armando Benitez. A granny. Yeah, a granny. And Albert, he's a complicated guy. Very. His his big league legacy is interesting. And I still think he got screwed out of the MVP in 1995. Uh, you know, that's like the second time you've said that. I know that because I still stand by it. I think my favorite Albert Bell moment is him getting hit by the ball. Yeah. And not going to first. Right. <laughs> this is the kind of dude you're He's dealing like, with. like, no, just love throwing another one. I'm going to get him. Right. 
he had, they tried to take his bat. They thought it was corked when he went to the White Sox. And then they thought he had the cork bat. And so, you know, Cleveland's like, hey, we want to see his bat. Because when he was here, we don't know what he was using. Or we do know what he was using. Mm. And then Albert's like, okay. And now there, there's a rumor that the bat boy snuck into the umpire's room and got the bat out of the room. After they took it into the room to have it x-rayed, there's a rumor. We don't know. Can't substantiate. That's why it's called a rumor. You know, it's not called fact. Do you think it, it happened? Uh, it's just crazy enough. It might be true. Mm. One of those things, you know, it's just so far gone. So this kid snuck in like through like an air duct kind of thing, something like you'd see like in a movie to get in there, to get the bat out of there, to replace it with a different bat that's not cork. You know, so that's the one they took to the league office mm. examine. It's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> And then Albert's in the dugout, flexing his muscles, saying, I hit the home run. It's all muscle. <laughs> yeah, it was quite the scene. And we all, if you remember the Fernando Vina, uh, tried to tag him on a yeah, double play. Yeah, and then play. he just destroyed him. Yes. Like a linebacker. Exactly. And he just picked up his helmet and went on his merry like, way. All right. Good try. Yeah. Fernando talked tough and was mad about it, but he knew better. He made a business decision and just let Albert go. You know, just we're not mumbling under his breath. Well, he was yelling at him, but he wasn't going to go chasing after him to grab him either. So he just let Albert go. So Armando Benitez, our our shaky reliever, former Met also, uh, is pitching for the Orioles. And yeah, he's found his way into trouble. And it is, the base is loaded. It is four to four in the seventh inning in the NLDS. And here we go. Albert's up. That's how you lose a game right there. Yeah. Base is loaded. Pitching Albert Bell. Yeah. With not great command. High heater. 94. Letter high. Don't do that. And this is how it sounds. And now he's got the one man in his lineup that everybody in baseball would want to have up with the game on the line and the bases loaded. Albert Bell. How much you want to bet the broadcast is like, I bet you five, he gets it. <laughs> I want to note that's a better call where he gets his moment. Yeah. Then you hear the crowd. Right. That's a, I like that call. Yeah. Like it's not always what you say, but how you say it type of scenario where mm-hmm. he's like long, long fly ball. Right. Okay. We got that idea. You, you can hear the roar of the crowd. You understand what's about to happen. Yeah. You know what it is. And then he announces it. That's a good call. I really like that call. All right. So you like John Miller. I like that. If I was on the radio, perfect. Right. So there's a granny and yeah. So the Orioles are still looking to go back to the world series still. To this day. They're working on it. They're working on it. Yeah. What do we call three years wild card spot? Oh, did you? Oh, th- no. That was your Rangers that you had. No, Rangers I have winning the division within the next, I think I called it like the three years or four years. I think you went, I think you were giving them five. Okay. We'll, we'll have to go back. We'll have to go back to the archives yeah. and confirm. I want to say we called Baltimore in the playoffish run, wild card run, not a playoff. Okay. Actual spot, just the wild card run. Okay. We want to. Say, I want to say three to five years. We called it. Yeah, you're saying three to five. So you're gonna you're gonna like playoff expansion because you're gonna need it. No, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> for that. We can talk about that. I'm not for the 16 teams at all or 14 teams. You might need 20. Count the more. Yeah. Else. No, I'm not for that. That's some nonsense right there. I got one of your guys today. Uh oh. One of my all time favorite Mets. Uh oh. One of my I think all time favorite players just in general. I I think I've talked about him a ton or enough. Okay. This one's David's right last career home run. All right. Unfortunately, not the young David with the tongue out, Jordan-esque. Right. But stance has changed a little bit. He's a little more upright. You can tell his body's a little beat up. Yeah. He's tagging the Dodgers for a solo shot, put him up four to one. Mm -hmm. And he's in those 
beautiful, like the beautiful. I was going to say that weird. Those, I like the throwback jerseys they were wearing back then. It was 2016. It's an orange with the, or white pinstripe orange yeah. piping. Yeah, I got you. Yep. I like that part. Uh, but here you go. David hits one well right center. Peterson back to the warning track at the wall. It's oh, young jock. How oh, I miss him. David Wright homers for a third straight game. The good old days. The good old days. Home run of the year for White and the Mets late at four to one. There's David Wright, 2016. Yeah, last homer. Yeah, well, his career. I mean, it was good, and then the back went out, and that was that. If I'm not mistaken, you guys made a deep playoff run this year too. No, they did not. No, was it not this one? They lost the wild card game. Ah, yes. 2015, they went to the World Series. That was what it was. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah, they lost the wild card game. Again, if people listen to our show. You know, my brother is a Giants fan. Correct. So, yeah, I didn't watch the game, and I see my brother, and he was smiling from ear to ear when he saw me. What did you think about that game? Because <laughs> I didn't like that game. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't like it. Didn't yeah, it, did, it. it didn't work out for me. Yeah, the Juris Familia gave up a home run, mm. one to nothing, mad bum. So we, a yeah. young mad bum before pre Arizona mad bum. Yeah, pre Arizona mad bum. You know, this is like their third World Series, you know, the even numbered things, 2016. And That's yeah. Nice. So yeah, that was it was fun for the Mets while it lasted. They I thought they had a chance in the wild card game. Then once they started playing, it's like no, no, that's it. We're just gonna be here because they're just not gonna score. Mm. So and yeah, and Madison Bumgarner made sure yeah, we're, I'll be here. I'll do what I got to do, and I'll just they'll ride me for another yeah. World Series championship. It was postseason Mad Bum. You <laughs> know what are you gonna do? Terrible, 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 terrible. That one hurts both of us right there. Right, exactly. You know, got me in the moment, and it got you just all time. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't work out well. You got a K. Yeah, so my K, I'm going with not just a moment, like a 90s legend like Albert Bell. I'm going with an actual baseball legend. So I am going with Greg Maddox. Nice. So Greg Maddox, one of the best pitchers in the 80s, 90s. Even you got to see him a little bit. I did. Short, I had him on my, uh, one of my Dodger talks. Right. So could carve guys up through strikes, no walks. You know, he could get you through the game and like 90 pitches or less complete game and just you come and go. So you talk about pace of play. This guy would be perfect. Never a problem with Maddox. You'd be in and out. Game's over. 89 pitches. Yeah, exactly. Guys would just go up there, kind of ground out on the second pitch because you couldn't really think with them. You didn't want to get embarrassed as what happens here on my K. So he had the good two seam fastball. And he liked to do the front door thing. So it was right-hander throwing a two-seamer kind of at the left, the hip of the left-hander. It would just come back over the corner. You know, they give up on the pitch. Boom, they're locked up. And he'd just walk off and do, he just did it <laughs> over right. and over. And everybody knew he was going to do it, but you couldn't stop it. Mm-hmm. So here's, would have been Hall of Famer, but won't be probably now. Omar Vizquel batting and Greg Maddox, who is a Hall of Famer. This is his 3,000th strikeout. 2-2, two, two, strikeout. Would like to congratulate Greg Maddox on his 3,000 career strikeout, becoming just the 13th pitcher ever to reach that milestone. Oh, wait. The second to do so in a Cubs uniform. That's not it. Maddox is the first player in baseball history with 300 wins, 3,000 strikeouts, and less than 1,000 walks. Wow. <laughs> so, so yeah, the dude threw strikes. You know what's funny? We talked about, or you told me about your K, but I didn't know the significance of it. Yeah. My K is a 3,000 strikeout. Okay. My K is number 3,000 for your Mets. Yep. 
Pedro Martinez. All right, you got Petey. Yeah, you're going to go ahead and carve him. I'm trying to remember who, I think that's Troy Glaus. Carve him up with the changeup to end the day. Get number 3,000 out of the way early in the game. Let's see. And there it is. Just a simple changeup. He just, whoop, just floats the other way. Going to strike him out like nothing. 3,000 or more batters. He picks up the baseball, and he will carry it back to the New York Mets dugout. So right there, that was his 15th all-time at, right. at the time. What right. was Maddox? 13th. So two pitchers later. Right. Now, you know. What year is yours? Uh, this was, oh, Jesus. I got rid of it. It's gone. This is 07. Oh, Jesus. It's gone. I, I saw it. I looked dead at it. So I'm going to guess 07. Probably the same year. Probably around, probably the, around same the same time. time. Yeah. yeah. You guys had that nice run where you guys had Johan, Pedro. It was fun more than they were good. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's fair. You guys got David. Carlos should be around. You still had both Carloses should be around. Yeah, you had Jose Reyes. And, yeah, mm -hmm. it was fun. Luis Castillo dropping balls at second. Let's not bring that up. Uh, yeah, him <laughs> second. Yeah, Jason Bay and left. That's how to steal like thirty six million dollars. Okay, that's a good one. Yep. Uh, I'm trying to think who's in right. Who's the last guy I'm missing? Let's see on those teams. Let's see, Jeremy Burnett's was gone. Jay Payton was gone. Benny Agbayani was gone. I want to say Torres, but it's not Torres that I'm thinking. Like I got to remember now, you're going into the mediocre Mets vault here of about 2006, 2000. Well, no, 2006 was an okay you year. You guys had until, Mike Cameron for a second out there. Yes, we did. Okay, wait, wait, wait. No, 2007 was maybe, no, Beltran was, oh, I'm trying to remember. Was he still there? Because he struck out in 2006 in the, 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 the NLCS. Got I think he's still there in 16. So then there you go. That, that's your other outfielder. And six, six. You said 16 for yours or six? Oh, I'm sorry. In seven. In seven. So in seven. In 07. He might still be there. Hmm. We'll get, to... we'll get back to that. Yes. Moving forward. All right. I really want to know. All right. Well, I'm going to ask you a question. That's fine. And while you answer the question, I will ruminate and go through my mental Rolodex and come up with who was the right fielder for the 2007 New York Mets. How about I tell you right now? Okay. Who is it? Sean Green. Oh, geez. And you guys had Moises or Lewin left. Yeah. So you guys aren't getting robbed quite yet. No. You guys have Andy Chavez out there. He's like the fourth outfielder guy. Uh, Lastings Millage is a fourth outfielder guy. Yep. Young Lastings. Okay. And Carlos Delgado's a Carlos first. Gomez is out there. Ooh, running into out still. All right. Yep. Julio Franco's still on the roster. Sandy Alomar is still out there. Yeah. These are some names, huh? <laughs> yeah. Glavin. Yep. Hey. Hey. One of 300 on the Mets, man. John Main is one of the mainstays. Yep. A young Oliver Perez. Old Orlando Her uh, Hernandez. Uh-huh. You guys got some names. They always have names. They always have names. They always have names that convince you that this is going to be the year they're going to be good and they start playing and then problems <laughs> ensue. We talked about CBA stuff. Yes. Moving forward to that, we said there was a couple things that have been yeah, they were meeting, agreed upon. Well, they were meeting today and they were trying to save in air quotes because again, this is a lockout and the owners could do kind of in this whenever they kind of want to. But yeah, they, they have agreed in principle on some things. Okay. So, so what we can know that we, the main sticking point where we don't have a deal is there's an issue with the international draft, mm -hmm. which, okay, let me plug my stuff. You know, the brother on baseball article, I wrote it, there you, go. you know, a couple, couple weeks, weeks ago, ago, right. About the international draft. That's a sticking point. Some of the things I mentioned in the article are what the sticking points are. Mm -hmm. What's the system? What's going to look like in the Dominican Republic? Because the Latin players now chimed in. They're like, no, 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 no. This isn't good for us and where we come from and the younger guys coming up behind us. This isn't going to be good for us. So the players know you're looking at about 30% of your membership that's not going to be down with just having an international draft. Mm -hmm. They want more, what's it going to look like? 
if they're going to have one at all. And I agree with some comments David Ortiz had made about maybe phasing it in. And something I had mentioned to you before we were recording, what I would do personally is if you're going to have something like this, because you have the Buscones down there who train the, the, like the Dominican players, make it where there's like a clearinghouse where you're like a licensed Buscone who has a license with like Major League Baseball. So that way, you know, the kids are getting proper education, proper meals. You're not given like, you know, some 15 year old steroids, stuff like that. So that way you can kind of control it. And that way, if the guy's running afoul of that, well, we're not going to, you're none of your players now are draft eligible. Mm-hmm. So that was something that I think that really needs to get cleaned up is what goes on down there with the Buscones. But I can see an element of why you would want the international draft, but I can also see real reasons why you wouldn't. So that's a sticking point. The players don't want that. And so what the owners did in reverse is they said, okay, well, if you're not going to give us the international draft, then we're going to bring back uh, the compensatory, the type A. Yeah, the qualifying offers. Yeah, the, your, your compensatory draft picks and for the, with the qualifying offer, that kind of thing. They're bringing that back. So the players obviously don't want that because that's a drag on free agency. So that's mm-hmm. the holdup. So if you understand why we don't have a deal, those are the two big sticking points. In terms of like the competitive balance tax money, minimum salaries, that's just they can kind of meet in the middle. The numbers are coming together. So you um, have the yeah. basis of a deal. There. Well, we got the minimum salaries up. Right. So about, I think I needed to have that. It's around seven hundred. about 750. Yeah, right. About 750 with an increase every year for the, uh, for the duration uh, of the deal. Right. Exactly. Um, we got bigger bases. Yeah. So what they've agreed on in principle in terms of like things in play is they've agreed, one, is that the rule, the league will be able to make changes within within 45 days, where typically under like labor law, because again, this is a job. Mm-hmm. So you have to look at what's the U.S. labor laws. <laughs> if you change the the rules in terms of the working conditions, you have to give them a year in advance before you do it. Mm-hmm. So like kind of like a labor law type deal. So, okay. So if that's in our written into our contract, you can't just unilaterally just change our working conditions. Okay, fine. Which obviously, as you mentioned, bigger basis would be a change in the working conditions. They agreed in principle, say, okay, league, instead of giving us a year, we'll give you 45 days to do it. You can announce your change 45 days later, fine. But you can't do it in the season. You have to do it in the off season. You know, that way we can kind of mentally get our heads around whatever it is you're going to do. So that was one thing. And then, so they've agreed to that. So with that, the league said, okay, we're going to have bigger bases, like you mentioned. Then they want to institute a pitch clock, which is a 14-19. So 14 seconds with nobody on, 19 seconds with runners on. Are you for that one? I am, actually. I think it actually... The rule already exists on the books anyway. I was going to say, I think it kind of works to keep momentum for the pitcher. It does. Where you're constantly in that rhythm. I forgot. I think it was... I don't want to say Carl Pavan, but it was somebody in that realm, that okay. age, yeah. age-ish area. Where they're like pitching is all about rhythm. This is actually going to benefit pitchers going forward. Uh-huh. Where yo, you give me my signs. We don't got. We don't have time to do fifty signs. Right. Give me my sign. Let's go. Yeah. With the pitch clock. I mean, again, like your old Dodger Pedro Baez will be kind of. Yeah, the Pedro Baez's of the world are going to be out. Yeah, you got to go faster. The thing with me with pitch clocks, the reason I support it is, I mean, if I could look at the Little League World Series, twelve-year-old pitches a twenty in front of twenty thousand people, biggest crowd he's ever seen in his life. He can get on the mound. Grab it, throw it against the best 12-year-olds he's ever seen. He can make it work. Why can't the best pitchers in the world? Mm-hmm. You know, and it might actually aid offense because the pitchers can't max out. I got to be back up here throwing again. I actually like it because now you're not going to see the cards from the pitchers. Yeah, that, that too. That, I don't know why. That really irks me. <laughs> that irks me to like an extent that I didn't even yeah. know mm-hmm. I would have. Right. I hate that you can't get on the same game plan. I, I get it. Maybe you're changing up the signs. Yeah, that's mostly what the cards are is the yeah, signs. Yeah, just, hey, we're going to change it up. 
that's right. fine. But I hate it when it's like some of it's like scouting. Right. Like I don't know this guy. For instance, when they bring in a new dude. Right. Oh, I need let me check my card and see what the game plan is against him. Right. My head starting pitcher. You need to know relieving pitcher. You well, got to know these lineups. Everybody else did it. Well, catcher. Or catcher, whoever yeah. it is, like mm-hmm. you should know the scouting report. You got to know what you're going to do. Right. We had our pitchers and catchers meeting. We, we should know yeah, kind of right through the lineup. Hour long meetings or whatever they are. Right. For no reason. When you come in, be pre- mentally prepared. Know what you're going to do. Know how you're going to attack. Well, I'll say this much. And again, I'm not saying this is everybody, but mm-hmm. you're also assuming some of the players are a lot smarter than they actually are. That that might be part <laughs> so, of the issue, but I just figured if we. Everybody else in the past was able to do it. We should be able to do it now. No, I agree with you. I mean, you're making something that is, doesn't need to be that hard. Ten times harder. Yeah. And yeah. I think part of this is Astro scandal. Tell me if there I'm is wrong. that. Yes. Where, hey, everybody's paranoid about yeah, like, what's going to happen. Are everything they, else. Right. Is there a camera over there? Is there a camera over there? Whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. I understand it, but I feel like get on the same page. There's got to be a sign given where we're changing signs. Right. That makes sense. Right. Touch your nose, whatever it might be. Something just like, hey, we're moving on to the next set of signs. Right. No, I got you. Or, I mean, look, when they bring the guy in, these are the signs. Okay. Mm-hmm. Again, you should be getting outs fast enough where the guys on second base isn't out there for five batters you yes. know, or whatever. You know, it should be, we've got out of this inning, you know, you're the reliever guy. So we got a new one in here anyway. And I tell him, hey, it's whatever sequence mm-hmm. of signs. So then we can keep doing this. It's not even necessarily a mound visit. Just, okay, he's coming in. I'm already standing there. I'm the catcher. Hey, it's the, you know, we're chasing the two. We are going outs plus one. We're doing whatever. Just announce it or let the guy know. And then you can go to work again. The runner shouldn't be there this long if you're doing what you're supposed to do as the pitcher. So you should be able to get through however many batters without having to change the signs. I mean, yeah, there's some smart guys, you know, smart hitters in terms of picking it up. Mm -hmm. And I got it over the course of a series. You might want to mix it up because you don't want to use the same sequence on Friday, you know, on Sunday as you did on Friday. I get it. But at the same time, that's something you can handle before the game. So in game, you don't need to do, like you said, bring out the card. Mm-hmm. Are you for the bigger bags? Does it matter to you? It's a little bit safer because now you're going to have a little bit less collisions. It will aid incrementally in uh, stolen bases. Yes. So, yeah, the bases. Those little, bang bangs. Yeah, the little bang bang plays. I'm cool with it. I mean, if you saw it, it didn't look obvious. No, the photo looks a little obvious, but it doesn't. it's nothing where you're like... That's way too big kind of scenario, yeah, if that right. makes sense. Yeah, I mean, you can, if you've been looking at bases and you know, baseball, yes, you can tell, mm-hmm. but it's not just, yeah, totally out of the realm. So I'm, I'm okay with the bigger Would base. you be for like the orange bag at first so we stop having collisions at first? I actually have no problem with that either. I thought that was going to get implemented because I know there's been a decent amount of collisions where we, let's just get rid of that. The Dodgers probably win the World Series if they, if they have it last year. Yeah, Max Muncy doesn't get hit. Exactly. Bastards. <laughs> that, that's why I have no problem with it. You eliminate, you make it safer, why not? But I can see why aesthetically and where it came from. Oh, that softball. I understand why baseball could be resistant to it. But again, I'm sure if you ask maybe Dodgers brass, hey, what do you think of that? Yeah, well, Max Muncy wouldn't have got hurt. Exactly. The runner wouldn't have been there because the EBO were looking for the orange base instead of the white one that mm-hmm. Muncy's standing next to. I have no problem there. And then the next thing, which kind of takes us into the next area, is they agreed like on banning the shift. Kind of keeping two fielders on each side of the bag. On each side of second. Yes, yeah, so I mean, each side, sorry, the second base bag, not the bag. I mean, there's three bags out there. <laughs> Just such to be more specific. But yeah, having two guys on each side of the second base bag. Okay, that's that's what you want to do. Fine. <laughs> you know? Now, this is a question for you. Mm-hmm. So again, gets us into fair or foul. So fair or foul, banning the shift will increase offense in baseball. No, I don't think it would. You said, you, I think you missed a part. Okay. Where it has to be, you have to be on that side of the bag when the ball oh, is as thrown. the pitch is thrown. Yes. Yes. So as soon as he throws it, if I'm already up the middle, put yeah. him on the right side of the bag, I'm still going to move anyways, right? 
Hypothetically speaking, you can still shift it. Well, I can start moving on the pitch. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so you start moving. Well, you can start as long as you're not on the other side of the bag. I can still be up the middle, which well, we kind of stated earlier. Okay, I'm trying. I'm trying to understand your description. So I could take like like a running start. Okay, so let's say I'm <laughs> it just takes to like, delivery. Okay, this is like go. second. <laughs> this is right field. This is left field. Okay, I'm right here on the bag. Mm-hmm. I'm to the left of it. Yeah, and then as soon as he starts moving, I'm on the like right up the middle. Anyways, okay, you know what I'm saying. So you can yeah. still take off the middle position. Take out, you can have the fielder right there behind second. Okay. That's what yeah. I'm trying to say. Now, do you want the fielder moving though? As That's, the, a, that's the probably the harder part to right. figure out later on. Um, my assumption is we're going to test it. Oh, uh, no, you know, moving around isn't working or moving around is working for us. Mm-hmm. It probably depends on your shortstop. Yeah, it does. Regarding the whole thing. I, I don't think so. Just because I really want to put my third baseman over anyways. They just got to be on this side of the bag or on the left side of the bag. Yeah. They don't have to necessarily play like third base position. No. I can still move my second baseman, put him in right field. He's on that side of the bag. Right. The one that I was more for would be just staying on the dirt. Okay. If you, have, if you were forced to stay on the dirt, I think it's a little harder because how much harder is it to catch a 105 or 110 right. off the bat? Right. I got a lot harder to field. But if I'm in the outfield and I give you 120 feet, yeah, my, my chances of fielding. much to catch. Now, the issue, again, like we were talking right before we were recording, is that ball up the middle. If I yeah, a, that's what I was going yeah, towards where, yeah. when I was talking about the yeah, guy sliding guys over. over right. If I'm taking away the middle anyways, or if I have the opportunity to take it away anyways, then what am I really solving? It's just other than the starting position. Right. Now, the only thing is, again, this could be, are we changing a rule now to combat something that we could potentially eliminate the need for going forward? Mm-hmm. The reason I say that is the kind of your land of unintended consequences. If all of a sudden I'm rewarding hitters who are able to hit the ball wherever, mm-hmm. those contact-oriented guys. So let's say the Dave, Whit Merrifield, and Whit stuff. Merrifield, David Fletcher, the bat on the ball guys. If they're able to hit the ball, again, the hit it where they ain't. Mm-hmm. If those guys become your highest paid guys, other people will adapt and become be able to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. It might not be overnight, but it may become going forward because I, the reason I use is a different sport. Mm-hmm. Basketball. Now your center can shoot a three-pointer where before yeah. he was right underneath the basket and they adapted and went, oh, three-point shots are more valuable than kind of the two-point ones on a per-shot basis. So, Do you think moving them over is really going to cause that though? What having to play a more of a straight up defense is that going to really cause us, but no, the average or the contact hitter mm-hmm. to go up in value, or does it decrease their value? I think it will increase it because if I say okay, so let me make sure I understand your question correctly. So you're saying no shift increases the value. I'm asking you, do you think the way it's set up today, we're yeah. going to ban the shift? Okay, so let's just say you're traditional, right. quote unquote, defense. Right, everybody's playing their spot. Right. Does that increase the value of your Whit Merrifield's, Dave Fletcher's contact hitters, or does that decrease the value because those guys, when the shift was on, can go the other way? I think it overall it would decrease it because it gives more value to, let's say, Joey Gallo. Where if I pull the ball, right. more than likely it's going to get through now. There's less guys over there to defend it. Uh-huh. So yeah, you would decrease the value of, let's say, a Whit Merrifield because now Joey Gallo is still going to hit 40 homers. And now he's going to get more base hits too. So now his average is higher. He's now like, he's on base. And, the only guy in right now that has more home runs than he has singles. Right. So, you know, that guy. So now I said, okay, him, Freddie Freeman or whoever. I said, okay, we're now you guys are going to get more just singles. Now you're on base even more. So it's going to increase their value because you still have to kind of, you do have to respect their power where, I mean, David Fletcher's not a power hitter. So you still pitch him kind of the same shift, kind of no shift because mm-hmm. he's not really the one that you're worried about hitting the ball over the fence. Yeah. So I do think it would decrease it that way. But I do think if you said, okay, we can keep a, a shift. If I'm an enterprising team and I'm start promoting guys and let's say all it would take is a team to win doing it this way, 
We want guys who can hit, we have more contact, more contact oriented approach. We won that way. Other teams naturally want to copy it. Now, is it easy to do? No. If you're hitting against Bruce Star Gratterall throwing 100 mile an hour sinkers up there, simply slapping the ball the other way as a right handed batter is not easy to do. I will willfully admit that. But if it becomes, I can find players who can do that and I will pay them handsomely for it. I'm drafting guys who do that. We're creating a team that's designed to beat whatever defense you just gave us. So again, I'm designing a team, say in the NFL, what has more value now, a wide receiver or a running back, a receiver does because we throw the ball. Okay. We've designed, we're going to make our teams now where the Rams give us a whole bunch of receivers because we're going to throw the ball. We've designed our team around whatever the rules are. So I think baseball were to do something similar. Just, oh, I'm, just gonna, I'm the Cardinals and I'm going to have a bunch of guys who can, you know, all right, Matt Carpenter, you're going to put the ball in play. All right, cool. You're here. Whoever else is just going to be here striking out. I don't need that. guy. Or all you do is pull. You're one dimensional. I don't need you. Give me the other guy. It'll just take a team to win doing it. That's my overall thought on that. Do you think we could see a defense now that we have where you got infielders got to stay? Let's just say it's Joey Gallo. Okay. Let's just say to the outfield, he hits the ball to left field 10% of the time. What if I grab my left fielder and I put him where that second baseman would have been? Because everybody's versatile now, right? In theory. A lot lot of versatility. So left field's open. I pull my left fielder to right field to play that short right field. Right. So I got my right fielder and I still got my second baseman up the middle. No, that is creative. That's what I'm saying. Allow for creativity. Do you so, think you can see that next year? Oh, somebody probably will and say, okay, center fielder, move over, cheat towards the gap a little bit. Mm-hmm. And yeah, left fielder, come over here. He never hits it over there anyway. Okay. That'd be crazy. You know, or yeah, or yeah, right fielder, move in, center fielder, move over, left fielder, shift over. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I would say it depends probably on the versatility and how well these guys can. Yeah, depending on where you're playing. Like field the ball and throw it first. But let's just say, I'm going to bring it back home to LA. Chris Taylor is playing left field today. Yeah. Oh, Chris. Joey Gallo's at the play, or I'm trying to think of somebody else. Brian McMahon is uh, is on, no, not McMahon. Is he lefty? He's, he's, a, lefty. he's a right-hander. Who's a lefty I'm thinking of from over there? Bigger lefty. Oh, no, it is McCann. Yeah, no, no, McCann. I'm, I'm thinking Crone. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's up at the plate. Chris, go play short right. Right. Okay, I got it. Be like he was playing second base today. Yeah, I was like, what's in the rule? You didn't say I couldn't move my outfielders. Mm-hmm. You I said think that would be interesting. You said two infielders on each side of the bag. Well, I moved my left fielder now. I think that's where it could get really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I could see somebody doing it, or, you know, again, I say, okay. I'm going to have my right fielder come in, left go over, or you know, the left fielder move over, center fielder move over. And let's say, yeah, like I was going to say, depending on where we're playing, like let's say we're playing in Yankee Stadium. If he hits a fly ball, it's likely going to be out of here anyway. Yeah. If he gets a hard fly ball in Yankee Stadium, left handed, let's just say, I keep, we keep using Joey Gallo, but it fits. I feel like he's the, the perfect, the perfect fit for because he is very do or die because of that right. shift. Right. So if he hits a fly ball, chances are if he hits a hard fly ball in Yankee Stadium, it's going out of the park. Mm-hmm. So we're not, too worried about, yeah, right fielder, you come here, move over. You know, cool. If he wants to hit, try to hit doubles the other way, go ahead and let him try it. And you know, that's not really been his approach ever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I could see, yeah, like it's a good idea. It's an interesting. I mean, you kind of figured out your way around the it. Loopholes. As a front office would do. You've already got it. <laughs> All 30 teams are available. Exactly. Jeremy Altshul, your analytics department, we, we have a job for you. I'm very available. My contract doesn't need to be crazy. <laughs> I'm a cheap, I'm a cheap date. <laughs> All right, now the Giants come calling. What do you do? Throwing on that San Francisco hat. <laughs> I got myself in the door. <laughs> right. <laughs> now to work my way up, next Andrew Friedman. All right, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just think it's an interesting concept. Now that you can just change rules, I wonder if they show, let's just say statistics show, league is still hitting 215. Right. Band, shift doesn't matter. 
You guys just can't hit. That's what the data showed in the Atlantic League when they ex- had the experiment last year. It didn't change. No, it really didn't. They just go, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so that'd be interesting. So I wonder if that happens. You're like, we're not getting anywhere anyways. Yeah. We can go back or maybe it's a two-year experiment. Yeah, guys, it's still not changing. Just do what you want. I'm all in favor of overall just changing rules all the time. I don't care. I'm not dogmatic. I mean, I think there has to be certain fundamental rules. Like, yes, it's still four bases. We're you not know. adding a fifth base. Or yeah, we're not adding a fifth two, base. You this know. counts as two runs if I hit the ball this far. Yeah, I'm not doing, you know, we only need two outs or this is the golden ball. This counts as two yeah. runs. I don't need that. But I mean, again, yeah, you're, I don't need to be dogmatic about, yeah, shift, no shift, what size of the bases, you know, pitch clocks. I don't, it, go ahead. And I'm sorry, did it state at all if we're going to still have a runner on second? No, no, that's gone. I really like that one. I had no problem with it. I either. liked it. I don't know why. I know people are like, oh, there's already a guy there, but it actually forces your team to pitch and hit. Yeah, that's what it was designed to do. It got the game over much more quickly. Yeah, if you can't get the guy in from second, you're messing up. Yeah. You're doing and, something wrong. And I will tell anybody, if you go sit through like a 16, 17 inning baseball game, stay for the whole thing, you would say, yeah, put a runner on second. I'm not going to sit through all this again. I've done it. And you just hope. Like you're just there sitting, <laughs> wishing, kind of, oh, let's go, but. To me, it's not like one of those things where like, oh man, there's action. No. Usually when you get those late ending games, for whatever reason, there's two hits in the matter of an extra whole game. Well, Nobody's no. getting hits. Because they're, all trying, to hit, they're all trying to hit homers. Yeah. And you get to that point. So at least guy on second, base hit, man, probably wins me the game today. Right. That's all I'm trying to do. Now you're just moving along. Yeah, good. The game ends. Get the ball to second. Move the runner over. Situation. Right. Oh, I'm, right. This guy's a good bunner. Lay it down. Yeah, let's different go. stuff like that. Right. I think it creates more opportunities. Right, exactly. And again, this is an entertainment product. So if that's going to keep the more casual fan happy, then that's what you need to do. Don't try to sell it to the hardcores. They're going to show up regardless. So do other things that get more people interested in it. There's going to be people if you kept that. Ooh, cool. They have the runner on second now. I'm interested. I want to watch now to see what happens. Yeah, I just want to clarify. I'm not for that starting every inning just an extra. Inning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah extra, I don't want the right. people to be like, oh, so you just want that every? No, 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 no. Right. Extra innings, that's cool. I'm okay with that. Right. And you still get very interesting games where it's still going 14 innings because these guys, they just, oh, you score one, I score one. Yeah. We're having that fun back and forth that you want to see anyways, the first nine innings. Right. They're scoring. So that's what people come to see. They come to see runs. So anything that helps with that for it, with them, within reason, obviously, I don't want to play with cue balls or something. So no, yeah. Can't yeah. hit it. You know? yeah. I think you might be onto something there, but man, I hope the CBA gets done. Fingers crossed, man. Get somewhere. We got to move forward. All right, so what did you say? So you said fair or foul with the... the oh, I said foul. Okay, foul. What did you end up at? I am also with foul. I don't think it'll increase offense. There's other things at play that I think need to be addressed. And I don't think the banning the shift is the thing that'll do it. I mean, it makes it for easy discussion, but I just don't see it being the thing. I know we got to move forward. Quick question. Are you for the juice balls or no juice balls? I don't care either which way. Just use the same ones. I think that's where I'm at. Just be consistent. I don't mind the juice ball. No. You know, obviously you get the bigger home run. You get those things, but I just think it creates a little bit more, you know, a little harder on the pitcher. You got to be a little bit more perfect. Right. And the hitter, you get a little bit more of that area where if you mess up, it's okay. Yeah. You have a little bit more. You have more breathing room. A little bit more. And I always say hitting a baseball is the hardest thing you can do in a sport. It is. I truly believe that. So I think they should get a little bit more leeway. I'm not changing the strike zone or anything. Keep that. I I don't mind juice balls. Like I said, I don't care what you do with the baseball as long as we're playing with a consistent, this is the baseball. It's going to be wound this way. I really wish they would kind of go more to an automated manufacturing of the ball to get more consistency, but that's, you know, again, another story for another day. Mm-hmm. But 
Yeah, I have no problem with juice baseballs. Again, if that's going to increase offense. And again, 500 foot homers, people like seeing those. I like so, all right, those. Cool. We and have I, them on our show. Yes, we do. It's in the title. <laughs> but that being said, again, anything creates more interest in fans. I'm all for it. Pitchers, you just need to understand you're going to give up more homers. And history will also acknowledge this is the era in which juice there's balls. more home runs. Like, okay, new game. We That's why they call it the dead ball era. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can call it the juice ball era. Whatever. Fine. You know, it's not juice players. Yeah, that's a little different. <laughs> <laughs> that's something else entirely. And because I, I forgot which guy said it. Yeah, he's kind of complaining that we won't have a steroid era to kind of reinvigorate baseball on the backside of the lockout, which, yeah, I could see him going back to some version of a rock for a baseball. And okay, now everybody hits homers again. Everybody's, oh, yay, homers and runs are, are up. I could see that happening. Yeah. Let's just hope they get one thing right this time. Yeah, I got doubts, but (laughs) we have some comparisons. We have start, bench, cut, emerging center fielders. Yeah. We have a runner up rookie of the year, Luis Robert, center fielder for the Chicago White Sox, AL Central champions. Mm -hmm. Moving forward, we have Kyle Lewis, the center fielder for the emerging Seattle Mariners, won rookie of the year in 2020. Believe he actually led the league for quite some time in homers. Yeah, Yeah, he was having a good year. After that, you have this past year's all-star appearance of Cedric Mullins' 30-30 season. Exactly. Going forward for next season. We're going to go next season and next five years. Okay. So you got two answers. I'm thinking you're going to have two answers. Okay. Next season, what are you doing? Which one do I trust next year? Next year. For your 2020, what are we in? Two. Yeah, 2022. 2022 season. Who's right. your center fielder? Cedric Mullins. That was, that was very fast. <laughs> that was yeah, 30-30. He just did it. So this is what he is. Where would you go for the other two? I, who's, who's on your bench? I'll take Luis Robert. Oh, you did not like that one. Non-committally, but for a reason, just guy, he hasn't played that many games. And Kyle Lewis is last because he's played the least amount of games? Yeah, that in his strikeout rate. He strikes out a lot. Just again, and maybe it's, I'm biased in as much as I've seen Kyle Lewis bat more than Luis Robert, like in terms of just watching his at-bats. I mean, that's fair. As we will get to later in the show, Kind of the more I watch you, the less I am impressed by you. That does tend to happen <laughs> a, quite a bit with you. <laughs> so, like, not watch too much of you, man. I, I know what you're going to do. Yeah. Because again, it's like anything. You know, you show up the first day, he goes four for four. You think the guy's amazing. Then you show up and he's four for 40, and you're like, the guy can't play. The White Sox, I don't have an issue with the White Sox. It's just they're not on like my regular rotation of teams I tend to watch when I'm going through my MLB kind of package and trying to figure out a game for the day. The White Sox aren't first on the list. Kind of picked it up towards like, okay, they're making a playoff run. And, you know, because they're playing, you see the White Sox and you see, oh, they're playing the Royals. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're playing the Twins who are going nowhere. Like that, that happens too much. Yeah, I'm not going to worry about them because they're going to win pretty much anyway. Yeah. So it's hard for me to be invested in them where the Mariners were like an emerging team. And so I would watch them kind of going, okay, I could see the teams coming. And also, yes, Mike, since we're, we can use more of a Met theme today, in my own Met car crash kind of way, watching Trainwreck, I was keeping an eye on the Mariners because I kept waiting for Jared Kelenic to show up and become like Mickey Mantle. Nah. So I would watch the Mariners like, okay, oh, he's up now. Let's just tune in to see. Yeah, it didn't happen. It's not happening quite yet. No, but there was that too. I would watch the Mariners more often than I thought I would. And again, there are no one of those teams like them, the A's, for some reason, their games tend to run late. And so all the other games are kind of done. And I kind of click by like, okay, they're still playing. So I'll sit here and watch the rest of this game. 
Mm-hmm. And so I watched a lot of Mariners games. I've seen Lewis. And I'm kind of like, Ugh. like I said to you earlier, you can pitch to him. Yeah, you can pitch to him. I'm changing it up a bit. All right. I'm going Luis Robert. All right. I know he hasn't played the amount of games that you would like to play. Yeah. However, in the small sample size that he did play last year, which was 68 games, I saw a decrease in 12, by 12% in the strikeout area. Right. So I'm happy about that. He went okay. from 32 to 20. Okay. Yeah. More in line with, that's actually a really good strikeout rate. Given his One every power. five. Again, as much power as he can. Yeah, I like that. I didn't like that his walk rate went down mm-hmm. by 4%, so from 8 to 4. Not a big walker. But you can handle that in as much as if he's not going to strike out, he's putting the he's ball putting in the play. He's putting the ball in play, and that's the thing. So he is putting the ball in play and getting a 394 average when he does. Yeah. So I like that. He hits the ball extremely hard. His defensive numbers blow the other two out of the water. Okay. So I like that. So at least if the bat's not working, I know I got quote-unquote yeah, gold helping, gloves. Yeah, he's helping you the other way, right. Got a rocket of an arm. Yeah. That dude's arm is ridiculous. Yeah, he has all the tools. No, he's definitely, I truly believe he's going to be like one of those five tools. Yeah, I think so too. I think he's going to be a really good player for the Sox for a long time, just as long as he keeps the strikeout rate under control. Mm -hmm. Because if you can maintain where he's at, that becomes a guy who swings a lot of pitches because he hits a lot of, because he can hit a lot of them. Mm -hmm. You have to tell him only hit the ones you can drive. So as long as he can stay there, because it's a fine line. I like where he's at. Mm -hmm. We've talked about him so much. First base, Jose Abreu. Right. Professional. Yes. Hitter. You're looking and at a guy. I, right. What I like is they speak the same language. Yeah. That's from a big, the same place. <laughs> exactly. That's a big thing where right. you can be like, oh man, I got Joey Votto playing first. He knows how to take a pitch, mm-hmm. which pitches he can drive. Right. Language barrier. Yeah. I am Lewis Robert. I cannot, we probably don't speak the same. Yeah. What I understand, what you understand probably aren't going to make sense. Right. Or I have to kind of filter it through where, yeah, you're talking. And you're missing pieces. Yeah, little pieces. A little different. So I like the fact that he has that Mm -hmm. guy right there. Right. Eloy's another guy. I know he's a high strikeout guy, but he drives the ball. Mm -hmm. Those are guys that I like around him. Right. So I really like him there. Second, I'm going Cedric Mullins. I believe he can produce something similar. Maybe not Mm 30-30, because that's, Obviously, those are marked people who never hit. Well, Mullins also is a little bit older than the other guys. Correct. He is at 27. The nice part about him, he's going to be going into age 27. He has two years at 2020 year. Remember, I don't count it against you, but I will give you the nod if you figured it out. Right. He figured it out. Right. He hit 271 that year. Mm -hmm. Comes up this year, hits 291, 30 bombs, doing it for a crappy team. When you stop switch hitting, amazing things can happen. Yeah, just hit from the left side. Yeah. Apparently, that works out a lot better. Right. Kyle Lewis, I only have lower one. Actually, I got a couple of reasons. One is the defensive metrics are not pretty. Mm -hmm. I need to be able to count on you on somewhere. I can't have question marks on both sides. And as of now, he is a question mark, even though he is a reigning rookie of the year. Or not reigning. One year removed. One year removed from rookie of the year. Right. Leading that Seattle team throughout the whole 2020 season. Right. Obviously, he fell off a little bit towards the end, but. I, I, you know, you got to look at these things. You got to look at what can you give me if one thing's not working. Yeah, you go 0 for 4. Can you still help the team another way? Correct. So that's the only reason I have him there. And the fact that he hasn't played enough games. He's played three years, has 18 games, 58 games, 36 games. Right. So those glimpses. Glimpses. The 58, you know, like I said, it's not a knock, but 58 is only 58 games. Not, I haven't seen you play and grind. Right. That's why, I had, that's why I had Mullins first because I know he's, Played a whole season. Yeah, know. no, I get it. Yeah, I, so the only thing I gave to Luis is the freaky injury last year. Things happen. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not too worried about it. I think he's going to come back. He showed when he came back. Right. He's still that guy. Right. That's why we paid him out before he got here. Right. Type of scenario. So that's why I went that route. And yeah, no, again, you're not really going to go wrong per se with any of these guys. And I do think oddly, there's a real chance 
of the bunch that Lewis could end up being actually the biggest star, oddly, because the Mariners as are an emerging team. Correct. And he's going to be a key part of whatever it is Him, they Kalenic, do. Get Tremel working somehow. Right. So if, let's say the Mariners all of a sudden break their playoff drought because they haven't been there since 2001. Mm-hmm. Kyle Lewis is going to be a big piece of that. And let's just say the Mariners were to make a run. Chances are he's right there in the middle of the order. This becomes a story. He becomes the thing. Mm-hmm. I could see that kind of happen. No, I think so. The thing I would say Robert has going for him, what if they win it next year? And he's a focal point. Yeah, I could see possibly what you're still going to have a Bray you. You're still going to have. Yeah, you got the other guys. But like, other let's guys. just say he has like a Randy Rosarena postseason. Yeah, if he does he's something a like star that. star yeah. of the whole thing. Right. No, obviously, yeah. If he does something like that, then yes, you become. That, that's And that's the thing to me that he actually has that in him. No, he does. He can go out, win you a series. Right. Win you a title. Right. At the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Which, fortunately, Mullins is in that predicament. No. He's in a bad market, bad team. Well, it's a good market. It's a bad okay, team. Good market, bad team. Yeah. Where, where nobody's going to see him until he gets moved. Yeah, I'd be right now. Please help. Send help with SOS something. <laughs> you know, get me out of here. Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah, I think you're right, though, where we could see Lewis being that dude. Yeah. That like, just like you know, blows up. And because that team's emerging, it's only if, mm-hmm. in my opinion, the Chicago White Sox don't win within like the next two years, three years. Possibly. But like I said, if the Mariners take off, he could be like another... Because he does have like a certain swagger to him. Oh, he has swagger. He has like some of that. Not t- jazz swagger, but he's got swagger. He has some of the Tim Anderson, Tatis. Yeah. He has some of that in him. So let the team take off. And he's kind of the main thing going. Again, people like new. This is a new team. So this is exciting. Where the White Sox, I think, can kind of grind through the central division. And it's not really exciting at any point. Tigers are emerging, but they're not. I don't think they're ready yet. Oh, great. You beat the Tigers again. You beat up on the Twins. You beat up on the Royals. You're beating up on the Guardians. Like, okay, fine. Cleveland. Yeah, right. Cleveland. (laughs) Yes. You're beating up on them. You guys are supposed to. Where you're the Mariners, you're going, yeah, we got past a team with Mike Trout and Shoei Otani. We got past a team with Alex Bregman, Altuve, Verlander. We got past them. On yeah, the past World the Series, super hot Rangers. Yeah, your twenty twenty six Rangers before they're ready. Twenty twenty four. Okay, you know the remnants of the A's. But saying you you've got past some teams that people recognize. Like yeah. oh, you end up like they are better than the Angels. Like yeah, they were competing with the Astros or division. Yeah, and this is the guy making it go. Oh yeah, we want to tune into this. Okay, what this is new? What's, mm. what's what's going on in this series? Like I saw a little bit of it last year at the deadline. Remember they were playing each other when you made when you traded a. Yeah, the Toro, but you could see there was like a little vibe. They're like, oh, okay. If they can kind of keep this going, then yeah, you could see it because they're to me, they're closer to being there than a couple of some of these other teams. I agree. So, well, this is the part where I leave. Oh, I and this is the Jamal show. I just talk for the rest of the show. Just you me to talking. talk for the rest of the show. No, no, no. Who'd want to hear that? I wouldn't want to hear that. <laughs> Jesus. Moving forward, we've been breaking down every single team. So we even have an intro. When you hear this, next year, that means it's GM like Mookie, the guy that is hot as a firecracker. Forget it, it's gone. Look out, he's got the hat That is a, the new intro for our GM talk right there. All right, saved it for the Mets. We saved it for the Mets. They got their own theme. <laughs> Pretty much. No, I should have put like the sad tambourine thum, 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 type of thing for them. That's kind of how their seasons typically go. <laughs> yeah. GM talked though, all seriousness, this team was supposed to compete last year. Uh-huh. On paper, it was uh-huh. supposed to compete last year. Yeah. I know you're very optimistic. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, I thought I'd give myself a chuckle. But on paper, this, this team is supposed to compete. You guys go out. Francisco Lindor is the splashiest move of the offseason. Right. 
You guys have Dominic Smith, who's still up and coming ish. Ish. You got Pete Alonzo, the polo bear. Yep. Jeff McNeil is coming off a pretty good year, 2020. Oh, 2020 he was. Yeah. 2020. Yeah. Remember 2020? You guys got, I thought was a good pickup in James McCann. I liked him in Chicago. Yeah, that makes one of us. You got your guy Conforto, Nimmo, looking at the rotation. You got Stroh, who apparently hates the Mets. Now, yes. You guys have arguably the best pitcher in the world right now in Jacob DeGrom. Yes. Uh, I like the Jordan Yamato trade. Jordan Yamamoto. Yamamoto. I actually like that one at first. The glance of it was nice. Yeah, uh, well, it's a good depth arm, you know. Yeah, I like that one. You guys are supposed to have Thor-ish. You were supposed to, and you just kept waiting for it to happen, waiting for it to happen, and you got two innings at the end of the year. Yeah, it just... <laughs> Pretty much just never really worked out. You guys got Cookie and Carlos Carrasco, part of that Lindor trade. Supposed to happen, supposed to happen. Got back in the middle of the season and was terrible the minute he hit the mound. Yeah, it's just Edwin Diaz to close the game. You guys picked up Trevor May, which was a big pickup at the time. You guys he took him from Twins. Good in spots. Well, previously in 2020, he was, he was really good. He was yeah, really, yeah, yeah. really good. So when you guys got him, he was like, Yo, we got eight, nine guys. Okay, I'll say this much about May. I had more faith in May than I did in Familia as your eighth inning guy. <laughs> That works. We'll take that. Yeah. You guys, yeah. You guys have the guys. The names are there. Just like the you're talent. talking about the 2007 Mets with yeah. a bunch of names. That's what this is. I think the talent's there. It's just whether or not they can stay on the field. And I would say that was the issue. Yeah. They're a training staff. You need to keep firing them until you get a new one, until you get one that works right. Because they've gone through a few. Yeah. Because the Mets, you know, you sprain your ankle. And the next thing you know, you get your leg amputated because that's how they deal with their injuries. Go see Joanna Cespedes. But whatever. No, they got hurt. The team basically last year was a house of cards. One thing happened, and then the whole thing fell apart. So DeGrom gets hurt, and the season's over. They were in first place, he gets hurt, and yeah, then they just tumbled right through the standings and ended up with a smooth 77 wins. That's how this team was built. So there is like no depth kind of whatsoever. This is paper no, paper mache. I think people Don't need to remember, it. first place was it August? Yeah, yeah. Trade, trade deadline comes. They're in first place by like five games. They're, they're you guys looking. went out and made the splashy move in Javi Baez. Yeah, they did. Which people applauded at, at the time because you guys went out, got a guy. That's well, it, uh, it was applauded in a way because they wanted Bryant. That was what we were oh, hoping. That was the guy. That we wanted Bryant. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll use us in the we because I'm a Met fan. So I'll be the we here. That is fine. So I usually don't use we. But again, we as a Met fan, fan base, wanted, Bryant was the guy. Then we weren't too upset when we got ended up with Bias. It was like, okay, cool. Where is he going to play? And you didn't know what Bias you were getting. So when we talked about the Tigers, the version that was on the Mets of Baez is an absolute superstar, undeniable, one of the top, you know, probably five shortstops, maybe three in baseball. If you go look at the numbers he put up on the Mets, it was like a whole different person than the one that was in Chicago. So the deal actually worked out because Bryant was kind of mediocre-ish in San Francisco. He really didn't set the world ablaze, but the Mets will do things and try to get guys, especially if you're a known entity, the Mets are attracted to that. I don't know why. Yeah, so last year... Speaking on the Javi Bias, yeah, he came in, hit 299 mm-hmm. on base at 371, which people should know he does not get on base. No, that's what I said. It's like a whole other person. He doesn't walk. <laughs> he walked 13 times, stole five bags, put up 22 RBIs, nine homers, nine doubles, 50 hits, and 167 at-bats. Right. And scored 32 times. Right. That's well, what Francisco I'm saying. Lindor was supposed to be, and what helped yeah. is that yeah. when Lindor goes down, Right. Oh, Baez just slide over. He slid him over for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I thought at the time I'm like, mm, I, I'm personally not a biased person. I'm not either. But what he did, looking back at the numbers, was tremendous. Yeah. Again, other than the thumbs down and all uh, you of guys that, have thumbs down issues. That's what kind of got him off the team. Why they didn't really try to make an effort to re-sign him. But 
his actual production. I once he got there, I was a surprise. I was like, where's I wasn't expecting this. 299. Like again, he was actually having, if you watched his at bats, they were actually quality at bats. There wasn't as much as the swinging it, sliders low and away, fastballs that are neck high. He wasn't doing that. He did it like the first kind of week, maybe two, and realized he was getting booed. I was like, oh, okay, I got to stop that and actually got to be a functional baseball player again and make a little adjustment. So which I think, again, I think the Tigers are getting that version going over there now because now he understands this isn't Chicago. So I got to kind of play right. But yeah, it really helped the Mets when, when they got him. He did what he was supposed to do. But by then, the pitching staff had already fallen apart. And that was that. So it sounded like depth was the issue here. That is. At the end of the day. And coming forward, you got the Mets making huge moves, in my opinion. You guys go out, Max Scherzer. to. Yes help lead the staff with Jacob DeGrom, take a little bit of pressure off. Hopefully. Hopefully. Hopefully it works Again, you're, out You're riding life. a 37-year-old pitcher, and we saw how it ended. We had a dead arm. Yeah, we saw how it ended in Los Angeles. Okay, so if that moves over to New York, well, that's not going to go down too good. However, we didn't mention it. The Mets owner is the wealthiest owner in baseball, so he can afford. If it, it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Yeah, he can afford to kind of, okay, to keep going. Mm-hmm. Where a previous ownership, the Wilpons, that wasn't going to happen. They had enough money maybe for one move. And if that move didn't work, well, that's that. Where Steve Cohen can kind of keep going. So, okay, if Scherzer gets hurt. It's the trade deadline. Hey, Reds, you still haven't moved Luis Castillo, just to pick a name. Mm-hmm. Hey, well, what do you say? We can make something happen here. Luis, we'll give you an extension. You can stay here and we'll just keep on trucking. You know, they have more of an ability to do that. Or you're upset. I hope against hope this doesn't happen, but it damn near did. Uh, hey, Dodgers, you're sick of that Bauer guy. Well, <laughs> move him across country. Because again, the Mets were the other team that where Bauer was going. It was, he was a Met for a minute. He went to bed. He was a Met, woke up and decided to be yeah. a Dodger. So, but, you heard the story on that? Yeah. Where like the merchandise accidentally got leaked. Yeah, the li- merchandise somebody? gets leaked. And yeah, he's apologizing. And, you know, yeah. they will keep at this to try to make it where they can win. So I will say that much for any of the teams we've talked about to this point, that's the one thing you can say with the Mets is they do have the financial wherewithal to offset a lot of their mistakes. Yeah. Can I talk about the depth thing right now? Free agents, Michael Conforto and Jonathan Villa. Yeah. they right. are, So Conforto, they're talking about maybe bringing back. That was a weird sort of relationship because again, you're going into your free agent year. You think you want to have a big year and Conforto has about the worst year he's had mm-hmm. on the team. Go ahead hit free agency. We're not racing to bring you back. We'll bring in Mark Canna and test the market, but they might come back around to him because you start looking at, again, there is defense. That is part of the game. Mm -hmm. One rule we didn't hit on DH is coming. Yes. DH is coming. So what it's looking like right now is that you guys have a hole in the left. They do. Maybe. Well, I mean, you could put Canna in left because you've already added, sorry, Starling Marte has been added to play center field. Okay. Well, that moves Nemo over to right, but he's not really a right fielder. Nemo doesn't have an arm like that. So Nemo needs to be in left. Canna needs to be kind of, okay, we're going to mix you in. I think he's going to be your util guy. Play a little infield, play a little outfield. Yeah. Move Canna around. I just use him amongst the outfielders. Don't overexpose him kind of anywhere. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you also have uh, Escobar that you brought in. And I'd kind of do that in the infield with him. Because you still have Jeff McNeil on the team who can play left, play second. To me, what I was trying to get to is, it sounds like you guys are getting depth. I think they finally realized, hey, we need to bring some guys in here. Yeah, it's not the youngest guys in the world, but you're getting quality veterans. Right. Eduardo Escobar lit up the world not that long ago. Yeah, he was an all-star last year. There you go. Mark Canna has been a good player other than last year. Yeah, he's a solid major league player, right. So I just like the ideas. And then you guys went out and made another splashy move in Starling Marte. Right. We got him to play center. He went over to the A's and became Starling Marte in the past. Yeah. He was Ricky Henderson 
2021 for the time he was in the A's. That's what he was. I would give the Mets this. So the owner, Steve Cohen, learned from his mistakes last year, last offseason. Because again, he's the wealthiest owner. There's a faction of owners who didn't want him to get the team because they figured he was going to do exactly what it is he's doing. Spend a bunch of money to make his team better. Because unlike a lot of the owners, Cohen is actually a fan of his team and he wants the team to win. He's a lifelong Met fan. He wants to see the Mets holding the World Series trophy. That's what he wants. It isn't, oh, this is an investment to me. I want to see this sort of return. That isn't his necessarily his primary motivator. It's, I want to win just because I want my team to win. Where you say the Marlins to pick a different team, that is not necessarily their motivation. So that being said, he learned last year because last year, the big, one of the big moves you mentioned, James McCann. Well, they could have got JT Real Muto. Yeah. And instead you kind of cheaped out in a way and got the next best guy. Instead of getting the best guy to address your catcher situation, you went the bargain route and then you realized that was the bargain route where this year they went, we need a center fielder. Who's the best center fielder available? We'll go get that guy. Mm-hmm. That's what Cohen's doing now. We need another starting pitcher. Who's the best one available? He wasn't even thinking of coming here. Well, I can make it where he's yeah, going to well, think about he's coming. coming here. Yeah. Then we hit J.D. Davis as another roaming infielder. Oh, he won't be on the team. So you think he's going to get packaged up? Oh, he would, will be off the team. Who would you like to see come in and kind of help the team push forward? Okay, so if I'm running the Mets, so which version of, okay, pipe dream version or? Realistic. Realistically, what could happen? So I could see the Mets making another run at Chris Bryant and saying, okay, you're going to be the third baseman. Okay, we're going to put you there. Now you'd be looking at an infield now of Bryant, Lindor, right? Escobar at second. And let's say Pete Alonzo still on the, no, DH not going to worry about that. Pete, you're going to play first base. Mm-hmm. You should have other bats. So again, like Robinson Cano is still under contract to the New York Mets. So people like that, that becomes your DH or Dom Smith. You're the DH or Dom. You play first, Pete, you're the DH, you know, things like that. Or I can use Canna. Okay. You're going to play here. Can we get another outfielder? Things like that. So it gives you more of that flexibility to start moving things around your lineup. So if it were me, I'm going to go, Bryant, come in, get you here. We wanted you here before. So let's try to get him in there. The rumor is word is that they're Hot and heavy after you said Kikuchi, you know, the left-hander from the Seattle Mariners. Yes, please get me someone who will make starts and look credible because I'm not totally sold on David Peterson and they really don't have any other viable left-handed starting pitchers. Mm-hmm. You know, Thomas Zapucky is way down the line mm-hmm. in terms of people. You know, you have a bunch of righties in terms of the front. So you want to give me a different look. I would say, okay, get Kikuchi in there. And then I know they've mentioned with uh, Seiya Suzuki a bit, the Japanese guy coming mm-hmm. over. I know Boston's hot and heavy, but again, they've kind of discussed it as well. Say, hey, maybe. And then you could move the J.D. Davises. Hey, here's some more relief help we need because you kind of got J.D. Davis for free anyway. That was the one thing that I can say Brody Van Wagenen found. They found J.D. Davis, (laughs) a functional major league hitter. The problem with them is he has to play defense, and that is not good. You know, you watch him enough. It's every about fourth ball gets kicked. Will he get the guy at first? We'll see, but he's probably not going to field it when you hit it to him. You know, you can't have that really if you're trying to, what the Mets want to do. They're looking for a World Series. You can't have that. Mm-hmm. So you need an upgrade at that position. I'm not saying Chris Bryant's going to be confused with Brooks Robinson anytime soon, but no one's going to say, hey, oh my gosh, you got Chris Bryant at third base. What are you doing? So yeah, JD, I think will be gone. I think Dom Smith's iffy because again, what's his role on the team? I could see him getting packaged maybe for something too. And I mean, again, it's, I'm trying to think of like who you could move them for trying to, in my head, it's kind of tough, but you just send them elsewhere. I said, get an arm in there, get another relief arm. You're our guy. Again, get another third baseman, JD, you go. Cause JD, he hit 
fine. He hits really good against lefties. I can kind of see like a package deal where let's say you pair up both those guys and one of your prospects, as in a Brett Bat- Batty. He ain't going anywhere. Okay, and he's not going anywhere. No, the one the prospect. What's your other third baseman that you think is a uh, the, the third? But the prospect they're looking to move is Ronnie Mauricio. That's who it was because he has no spot right now. Yeah. What are your packages? I can see them pack, doing like a three package guys. You get two major leaguers, mm-hmm. one guy who's getting pretty close to being at the major league level. You end up with a lefty like Josh Hader, where that team needs guys that are under contract. I don't think you got to give up that much to get Hader. Really? No. Okay. No, the Brewers are looking to move kind of off Hader anyway, mm-hmm. just because of you know money and where he's at with his contract. I don't think you have to give up that much to do it, but especially for a late inning reliever. Does that seem like a pipe a pipe dream kind of scenario, or does that seem actually realistic? No, they they, they actually had interest in Hater anyway. Okay, they already did. They were kind of like, "Hey, he's available. What do you kind of want for him?" And it just didn't work out where they could kind of really do anything. But they trust me, made phone calls. And by the way, they want to hire the Brewers GM. They want him to be the Mets GM. They want Stearns over there. Mm-hmm. The Brewers just won't let the Mets talk to him because they know he'll leave the minute they do. He's from New York. Got it. Grew up a Met fan. He's built the Brewers on a budget, a consistent playoff team yeah. on a budget. And I said, okay, we're going to let you come to New York. You have no more budget. Just do what you like. It's an Andrew Friedman type Scenario, deal coming yeah. in, you know, build a team. So the Brewers know if when he leaves, it's kind of over for them. And yeah, the Mets are like, okay, we want him. And they said no. And so he has one more year left on his deal. So, so yeah, but if Hater, I could see maybe ended up in New York, possibly, but I, I mean, I could see it, but I don't think it's going to happen. But yeah, if you were making a package for him, it would turn into like Ronnie Mauricio, let's say JD Davis is possible, sure. And then you'd probably throw in like a lower level prospect or like just another kind of throw in sort of guy. Like if I'm picking on the prospects, I would say, yeah, probably maybe like, well, Alex Ramirez is one of their top 10 prospects, but he's like miles away. He's like a ball complex level. Yeah, he's 19. They yeah. have him at a ball right now. Yeah. Expected up in 2024. Right. That's what I'm saying. So you throw that, like, okay, they're that between a ball and the big leagues. That's a galaxy far, far away. You know, they're, that's two different things. So maybe something like that. And if you came away with hater and who knows, maybe another arm from somewhere people wouldn't do it. Okay, cool. We got it. Mm-hmm. You know, brewers, you get what you want, a little more cost certainty Mets, You get what you want, the premium you know, reliever. Now, do you really want to move these guys? Cause we already spoke about, about how their, the their depth, depth is. Yeah. Why not? Unfortunately, right. Injury bug oh, injuries happen real to everybody. in New York. Right. For whatever reason, right. your guys' bugs are like bigger yeah. than other bugs. It's like New York rats. Yes. Is exactly. it a rat? Is it a possum? Right. So, you know, remember that from last year? Yes. So, yes. Yeah, got guys fighting down there. <laughs> right. But that being said, yeah, I understand what you're talking about from depth, but to get something, you have to give something. Mm-hmm. And also, if I'm giving you, say, JD Davis, well, you mentioned the name. Brett Batty's like one of my top prospects. He's Would you third. bring him up to not be the guy, though? No, I'm not, but I'm not rushing him up there either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not about winning rookie of the year. That's not what it's about. Only one of those guys winning anyway. Yeah. So if I say, hey, I'm going to ease you into this. Because let's say Escobar is on a two-year deal. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we'll bring you up. Okay, JD, you can go. Okay, we're not going to, you know, let's say Escobar is not going to start the season hurt or when any of these people aren't going to start the year hurt. Mm-hmm. Okay, then we'll gradually bring him along. Jeff McNeil, this is where McNeil is so important in all this. This is why I wouldn't move McNeil, even though he's not my favorite Met. That's why I wouldn't move His versatility him. is too important. Right. He can play second. He can play third. He can play left. So you can move him around so many places. And he's a really like an everyday player. He can hit lefties, hit righties. It doesn't really matter to when him. When he's there mentally, he's, he's yeah, there. Right. Last year, he just thought he was going to try to hit bombs. And instead, he's just hitting fly balls and flying out the whole time. <laughs> so and that's what he was doing all year. 
that being said, I would move J.D. Davis just because, yeah, he really doesn't have like a role. And he's kind of the easiest guy to move. And he's been talking about trading him long enough. Mentally now, J.D. Davis is checked out of the team anyway. That works. Because I just think about it. I, I like to make sure I got plan A, plan B, and plan C. Right. No, I understand. I would love to have plan A, plan B, plan C. But, you know, it's not MLB the show video game. These are humans who, you know, now I got to deal with this guy. Yeah. The dugout. Because, again. I mentioned him earlier. Robinson Cano is back in the dugout this year where oh, he wasn't man, I there keep before. forgetting about him. Right. So that's something that you can't, and he's not movable. I no, mean, he's not. That contract's not movable unless no. somehow you eat it all. Yeah. Unless you eat it all at that point, you might as well just DFA him like the angels did with pools and just say, okay, whatever, go somewhere else, you know, and knowing they ain't Mets luck, he would go somewhere else. He would go to the Yankees and go back to Yankee Robinson Cano. And you know, you need a second baseman <laughs> over there. So that's what would happen. Let be the Mets. But, you know, unless you're just going to eat, you know, because they owe him basically what two more years at twenty four million dollars a year. Mm. I mean, yes, Cohen's rich, but you don't get rich by just throwing, throwing a bunch money. of money. So you're going to see what you can do with Cano because he did hit before the steroid suspension. He was hitting. Now you can question. Well, was it the steroids is why he was hitting? That's a legitimate question. I did watch him in winter ball, and he looked fine. Dominican team should have won the thing and figured out a way to lose at the end, but whatever. But him at the plate, he looked fine. So. I think you can bring him back and maybe DH him a fair bit. Okay, cool. But you do have to factor that in and the other moves. So do you really want J.D. Davis, who's cost-controlled middle infield, or sorry, corner infielder, and just sitting here where there's value there versus you know, move him along and get something else that can help my team? Because you don't need a bunch of roster duplication. Correct. You know, because again, having a bunch of third basemen doesn't do me any good. A bunch of four guys who play first base. I mean, that, you know, what good is that? There's a difference between depth and just guys you can't really use. Yeah, I, I think you're right on that. I was kind of looking up Cano's numbers, see how they were prior to the suspension. Yeah. Just to get an idea again. And I would say that first year with the Mets, he was at least hitting. Right. PDs or not, he was hitting. Right. So uh, there, there's a hope, there's a glimmer of hope for you guys. Uh, for Well, for Cano. I mean, because well, yeah, at least the Mets now, they'll say this much. They've got to a position now where they're not relying on, on Robinson Cano to do yes, anything. Yes, yes. And we've mentioned them, you know, again, not related to this team directly anymore. Jared Kellenick hasn't done anything in Seattle, so the Mets don't feel compelled to try to win the trade, in air quotes. Mm-hmm. You know, because you can say at this point, they have. Kellenick's done nothing. Edwin Diaz has been a functional closer for you for now two years. What? You know, Cano hit while he was there. Justin Dunn didn't become a star from the Mariners either when you sent him over there. So, hey, whatever. It is what it is type of scenario. Right. Yeah. I think the last thing to hit on, expectations. For me with the Mets? <sighs> okay. What would our Met fans really be expecting? To win the World Series. That's their actual... That should be the goal. That's No, it's the expectation. That is the expectation. Absolutely mm-hmm. expectation. It is not, oh, we hope to compete this year. No. You added Max Scherzer to your team. You added Eduardo Escobar to your team. And the owners also stated, like, I'm not done getting players. This team right now is right there with the Braves in the division anyway, yeah. as is right now. Now, if I add Kikuchi to the back end of the rotation, let's say, let's say I do add Chris Bryant. Okay. Now you're looking at a team. You're going, well, yeah, where's kind of the hole? The hole. Or let's say, okay, let's just say. have first world problems where you're worried about your backup catcher? Yes. Which they actually are not. Actually, I'm okay with the backup with Thomas Nito. I don't, really don't have a problem with him. <laughs> but anyway, um, but no, if, let's say hypothetically, this would even be weird. Okay. This is completely realistic. You said, yeah, they signed Kikuchi because that's just money. You sign Bryant. That's just money. You trade, you end up with Hater. Let's just say to pick a name. Or you trade, you end up with Luis Castillo to be add him to the rotation. Mm-hmm. You're assuming some version of health because it becomes it's almost getting to the point where 
Let's say I did that. Some version of got three of those four people I just named. If someone gets hurt, it really you have you're in a position where where you can pick it up a little yeah. easier. I mean, if you said okay, we lost Scherzer, but we had Castillo and Kikuchi, let's say in the rotation with like okay, fine, we're not potentially pitching shutouts every game, but we we're, feel we're, good. We got quality starts. Yeah, I got quality starts basically every time out there. If I add Hater to the bullpen, okay, Diaz is looking shaky this week. Hey, Hater, you're 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 closing, or you know, Diaz, you're going back to being an eighth inning guy again. Hater, you're closing it out. Okay, you know, you're making it where you you're not relying on any one guy, mm-hmm. or if one any one thing goes wrong, the whole season doesn't fall apart. Where that's been met history, one thing happens and then it all goes to pieces. <laughs> <laughs> and also, one person we didn't mention who I think is huge, huge, and I'm I'm, I'm kind of irritated I hadn't mentioned him. They have Buck Showalter. They actually have a viable, a real yeah, manager who knows what they're doing running the team. Yeah, we both forgot. <laughs> Getting the veteran manager. Yeah, a guy who's Very been there before. Team. This The culture is going to be a lot different. Well, the culture has been changing in general. They went yeah. new GM. Right. You have Billy Epler in there to replace Brody Van Wagenen. But again, we'll see with Epler how long he's there or if they get David Stearns in there from Milwaukee. I think what they could do is get Stearns in there and then elevate Epler, say, it, okay, you're like the baseball operations, brain trust. Right. Yeah, 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 some operations job, and there you go. But no, you have a real field manager who's not going to mismanage the bullpen, get caught, you know, with some platoon or get caught when they bring up a pinch hitter. That's not going to happen with this manager at all. You know, and if there's going to be no thumbs down type stuff, the rat and raccoon stuff or whatever, that's not happening anymore. That will not go on. So you would have a real adult running the show. And that's something that because that's something that's really been problematic with this organization for years. Oh, no, definitely. You guys continuously bring up, I, to me at least, what I've seen lately. A lot of uh, inexperience. Yeah, they'll give you a shot. They definitely do. Yeah. Other, other places. Yeah, your first manage, Yeah, your first managerial job, your first GM job, your first, you know, they'll bring you in, they'll yeah. try it. And so, then I'm happy that they're going with the experience route Yeah, for this sake. I, I've already mentioned it before. I like it when the powerhouses are on opposite coasts. Yes. It makes baseball so much more entertaining. And now you're right. like, man, I really don't like those East Coast guys. I can't wait till we hit playoffs. Right. Let's see who really is the best right. in all of the NL. Right. Let's I, see who's the best in the AL. I think there's maybe something we, we talked about last week after we were recording. I mean, I would love to see, irritate a lot of fans, but, and again, I had to do kind of what my article I wrote a little bit, a little bit tied into the article I wrote this week, soccer style. So you have these teams, these kind of super teams. So yeah, if you have a super team in the Dodgers, Super team in the Mets, let's say the Yankees, you know, super team there, you know, let's say the White Sox become a Midwest version. And then you've got like the Cardinals in the mix. You don't know how they're there, but there they are at the end. They show up. That's better for the game. And then you could have, let's say, San Diego being the young guys or Seattle being the young guys trying to make some noise. That to me would reinvigorate the game. Mm-hmm. By all means, if you're going to make it where these teams on the coast are really doing it, by all means. I mean, that would be, to me, it's good for baseball. I'm not saying the Rays being good is bad for baseball, but for the casual sport fan, you know, when the teams on the coast are better, it kind of helps you move your sport forward. I agree. I think we got a good insight on the Mets. What do you do? What do you think? Well, I didn't get angry. You didn't get angry. You were able to keep it <laughs> under control. You didn't turn into a Hulk. Um, is there anything that you kind of want to hit before we get out of here? Just keep an eye out. I mean, not Met related, but more CBA related. Keep an eye on it. I think we're close. And yeah, you lopped off the games to the 14th, but I also think baseball has a history of with a, a sense of their tradition in their history. Jackie Robinson Day is the 15th. Correct. I don't think they'll want to miss that date. 
No, they've already moved it once in 2020 season, which yeah. isn't their fault. Yeah, no, there's nothing they could do there, but I don't think they'll want to miss it. No, it's a big anniversary. Yeah, and that's something they really push. I think you know you're right up against it. And I think that's also why they picked the 14th is like the... Yeah, I don't think you want to do that on opening day. I think you want it to have its own day. Possible, but you could just say, well, baseball's back and... Guess what? Guess what? You know, and... I just think they don't want to kind of blow it off this year. So I just, I think we're close. I think the deal is kind of in the offing. I don't think this is a false dawn. I think we will have baseball sooner rather than later. Give me a hell yeah for that one. We got baseball coming, hopefully coming back soon. Something that we need to mention before we get out of here. Make sure you guys find Jamal's newest blog on sportsbumps.com Premier League. Yeah, sort of. Ish. The Premier League or MLB. (laughs) Something. So this Brother on Baseball segment is brought to you by Symbol, the stock market for sports that allows you to trade your sports teams like stocks and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Symbol has blended sports and the stock market to offer a new way to invest and profit in your sports teams. Use your sports knowledge to buy low, sell high, earn cash payouts when your teams win. Join the 6,000 early adapters who have started to profit off their sports knowledge. Visit www.symbol.com or visit the link in the description at Sports Bumps. Create a free account when you deposit Use a promo code SPORTSBUMS for a free $10 deposit to help you build your portfolio. So, yeah, the article was, yeah, I just kind of compared, like, because I didn't do the promotion relegation. That was already been done. Okay, so who would be kind of your Major League Baseball equivalent of, like, the English Premier League? I picked that one because that's the biggest, most popular league in the world. And so, okay, so, for example, use a couple of them. Like, your Manchester United, I said, are the New York Yankees. That's what I was thinking. Okay. Liverpool is the Boston Red Sox. Arch nemesis, and yes, they're owned by the same people, coincidentally. Arch nemesis of the the big remnant team. I said the Dodgers were Man City. Okay. Well-moneyed, you know, well-run, consistent winner. Yes. I said, like, Arsenal, I said, was Newcastle. New money, so let's just see what they do. The Mets. You mean the Mets were Newcastle. Sorry, Mets were Newcastle. Sorry. What did I say, Arsenal? Yeah. Yeah, no. Arsenal, I said, were the Padres. Yes. So a young team. Dung dynamic. They're trying, they, they're trying, they're trying, trying to get and back. Trying and trying. Yeah. Will it work? So, you know, just kind of going through the different teams and it kind of might give you, you know, kind of what's going on with this other soccer league. What, what is this about? But, and I had some teams that were relegated. So like Cubs, sorry, you weren't good enough. Uh, pirates, you haven't been good enough. <laughs> Diamondbacks, Rockies. Yeah. You weren't in the premier, premier league. league. So I, it was 20 teams. There's 20 teams in the Premier League. There's 30 teams in Major League Baseball. So 10, 10 teams, teams get regulated. Make. Right. So there's there's some big clubs that get regulated. That happens in soccer too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I had my 20 gets, you're going Norwich. Yeah, they're a team. It exists. You they're know. real. They, they play. Crystal Palace plays. They exist to exist. <laughs> you know? They do. So give it a, you know, give, check it out and just kind of, you know, if you stumble across a soccer game, you can go, oh, okay. So this is like. I actually know what we're talking about here. Yeah. This is kind of like, okay. So if I'm watching. You know, Tottenham play. <laughs> you know? Who'd you have as Tottenham? Uh, Tottenham was the Giants. Okay, I see that. I can see that. Yeah, it's a team that they, they have their money. They kind of do their thing, kind of low-key-ish. Mm-hmm. They're not like the, the the team that you go looking for. Mm-hmm. But then you look at the standings at the end, and they're, they're usually top four. They're in the mix. <laughs> there they are. <laughs> I like it. You guys can find out on sportsbumps.com. Yep. Brother on Baseball. Make sure you guys are catching us Instagram, Twitter, 
Dingers in Case podcast, Dingers in Case. Yes, anything I see, I do respond. He really does. We always respond. We always have our stuff up there. We're, a lot of comparisons, a lot of start bench cuts. Right. Who would you rather? Josh Hamilton. Yeah. Prime Josh Hamilton. Prime Jose Batista. Yeah. We got stuff up there. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. We're doing our best to push as much as we can out there for you guys. Right. And you guys can always find this podcast anywhere. Podcasts or streams. Make sure you guys leave reviews. Talk to us. Whatever you want. Yes. Here. Am I missing anything? Much love, everybody. Yeah, we got a much love, everybody. What else do we got? <laughs> I think just until next week, everybody, much love. <laughs>